Hello, my friend. How are you? Thank you so much for joining Groupthink 007. My name is Troy Alexander, and today our guest is Dr. Hadley King. Welcome. Thank you, Troy. I appreciate the invitation. I'm excited to talk to you. So, you know, I just want to kind of get in our conversation and say, you know, the introduction is, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, perfect. Um, I want to kind of, kind of get into this and say, you know, again, thank you for joining. Um, something went wrong. You went, you went wrong. That was me. That was my fault. Sorry. Okay, cool. <laughs> All right. Just want to make sure. So anyways, yeah, yeah, yeah. welcome, 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 welcome. And sorry for the people who are listening. If you hear me say this again, today we have uh, a rock star, Dr. Hadley King. You know, she will be dropping some crazy gems on skin health during COVID-19 and post. And you don't want to miss this. She's one of New York City's sought-after dermatologists and a personal friend. So thank you, Doctor. Welcome. Thank you for the very nice introduction, Troy. <laughs> so, Doctor King, you have a famous fucking last name. I mean, that's pretty dope, you know, <laughs> Doctor King. You yes, know, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and you graduated, you know, magna cum laude from Harvard. Like, I mean, shut the front door. Like, I never fucking knew uh, that, right? Like, you're you. wicked, wicked, wicked smart. And, you know, introduce yourself, like give us a little bit about you as we sit and talk, like please. Okay, all right. So I'm a board certified dermatologist practicing mostly in New York City. Okay. Um, so I do a few different things there. I have, um, I'm in one practice where I've been for about 12 years with um, Dr. Doris Day. And I joined her practice. Um, she's a very sought after dermatologist. She does a lot of TV work. So um, it's been, you know, very educational for me to learn from her and to be with her for this long. Um, in that office, I do medical dermatology, surgical dermatology, and plenty of cosmetics. Um, okay. And then I also have my own practice, which is much smaller, um, further downtown, and that is completely cosmetic. So that's been fun to learn kind of the, the business side of things a bit, trying to build that. Um, and then I also teach at Cornell, which is in the city. So um, I work with the dermatology residents in the, in the clinic at the hospital. So that's very academic and keeps me on my toes because, um, you know, they're right in the midst of learning everything. So sometimes yeah. they know stuff that I've forgotten and we see very interesting cases there. So that's nice. Okay. Um, and then in addition to that, I also work a few days a month in Presque Isle, Maine, which is... Wow far remote northern Maine um, and it's an area that actually does not have any dermatologists which wow. I know as a Manhattanite that's hard to imagine but um, but they actually don't have any um, for a population um, about the size of Connecticut and Rhode Island combined okay. so there um, I go with one colleague one other dermatologist goes and we see lots of patients up there on um, severe psoriasis skin cancer eczema um, so that is also a very different part of my job. That's very gratifying. Okay. And so in your bio, it says that you studied, you know, biochemistry at Harvard. I mean, can you tell us about your background yeah. and what made you specialize in dermatology? Yeah, good question. So, um, so I grew up in Pensacola, Florida, which is where I happen to be right now. I'm okay. writing out the pandemic while I can't see patients in person. Um, and it was a great place to grow up where, um, a, a lot of, life was focused on on nature and I think that really instilled in me a love of the natural world and science and um, just a lot of curiosity about that so um, since a very young age I was um, driven towards um, the biological sciences and molecular biology eventually um, and so yeah I went to 
Pensacola High School, and mm-hmm. I was very fortunate to get into Harvard. So that was a big change from, you know, Pensacola High to, to Harvard and Boston. So um, in all ways, culturally, weather, academics, yeah. So, um, so I'm very grateful for that because I think it really um, affected my life trajectory. And I, I had an amazing experience there, exposed to like so many smart and interesting people. Um, and yeah, so there I studied uh, biochemistry because really my favorite thing is molecular biology, DNA wow. and RNA and that stuff. So, um, so that was the, there, that was the thing to concentrate on if you, if those were your loves. So, um, I started that and, um, and I worked in a lab there too, doing a lot of molecular okay. immunology. That's where I did my thesis. And, um, interestingly, there is a lot of molecular, molecular immunology and dermatology. So I think that that translated very well for me. Okay. So, um, so right. So there I was um, in undergrad studying sciences, and I I had thought at one point that I might pursue kind of the PhD route and just stick okay. with pure biochemistry, molecular biology, the science part of it. Um, but after a couple of years of working in the lab there, I realized that it didn't offer as much like human interaction as I wanted. Um, um, it was it could be a bit of a solitary lifestyle and in a way because you're just kind of repeating experiments over and over and although like the methodical (laughs) part of my brain loves that um i did miss more human interaction so i kind of felt like that left the the reasonable alternative of med school so that's when i started thinking about med school and i ended up at columbia in new york city for that and um so that's what brought me to new york and i've been there ever since so that was that's been an amazing part of my life as well. Um, so at Columbia, you know, in med school, they structure it. So you get to try out everything and kind of see which fields you like. Um, and dermatology definitely appealed to me from day one because okay. I'm very visually oriented and I was just awestruck by how some of the senior dermatologists could look from like across the room and know exactly what was going on with the patient just from like subtle manifestations in the skin. Like I thought that was just the coolest thing. So um, yeah, dermatology is kind of unique in medicine and how visual it is and also dealing with people. The other fields that are so visual are like radiology and pathology, but you're not really dealing um, on a daily basis one-on-one with with patients. So um, dermatology is great that way. Plus, of course, as I mentioned, the molecular immunology. I like that a lot. And it also lets you work with your hands, um, which I really enjoy doing procedural work without it being like the major stress of open heart surgery or something like that. So it's 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 a good fit for me. Okay, wonderful. I mean, I mean, it's so intense. I mean, like mind blowing. <laughs> so one one quick question, you know. So Pensacola, Harvard, and what was your experience from Harvard to Columbia? Like, explain that experience. <sighs> So I think, I mean, nothing, like I have such a warm place in my heart from my Harvard experience because it was just so life-changing and the people I was surrounded with were so interesting and curious about all different things. Once you get to med school, it's a bit more focused. And so I probably wasn't, um, you know, awestruck on a daily basis as much there because there was more people like me, more science-oriented people. Um, But it was still certainly an amazing experience. Um, And and, um, I appreciate all the the great teachers that I had there um, and the opportunities that that, you know, opened as far as eventually leading to my career in dermatology, which I I think is is an excellent match for, for me. 
Okay, fantastic. So what area of dermatology do you specialize in and what aspects of it do you enjoy the most? So um, I really do all, all types of dermatology, um, but I consider my specialties to be um, skin cancer, okay. acne, and cosmetics. So my first job after, so after Columbia, then um, the next step in the long road to being uh, a, a practicing doctor is internship. So that took me um, to Yale in Connecticut. And that, that year you do general internal medicine. Um, and then after that, you do three years of a dermatology residency and I did that at Cornell. So that was back in the city. So, um, so you know, you're, you're learning all aspects of dermatology. Um, less so with cosmetics actually usually the, the the training is focused a bit more on the academics the medical and the surgical okay. um but um my first job that i took after that was at sloan kettering um the, the cancer institute so um so i started my career really focusing on just skin cancer particularly melanoma and then also um skin problems that people with other types of cancer might experience because of their cancer or because of their cancer treatment um, so that's, that was my, my first job. And, um, because of that, I still do a lot of skin cancer. Um, and, and that's been something that I do a lot of in Maine as well, okay. because interestingly, despite how cold it is up there, it's a, it's an agrarian economy and, um, lots of farmers who've gotten lots of sun over the years. Um, and it's a pretty, um, it, it's a pretty white population as well. So sun plus white, but yeah, lots of skin cancer. So um, that's been, um, you know, focus of my career kind of throughout. And I, I really like that because of course it's just, you know, super important to be able right. to um, diagnose these early because when diagnosed early, uh, the prognosis is excellent, but skin cancer is one of those things that if melanoma in particular, if it's diagnosed too late, it can be unfortunately, um, quite fatal. So, um, so that is one focus. And then um, cosmetics, uh, definitely a fun part of the job. And um, Dr. Day, who I work with on the Upper East Side, she focuses um, a lot on cosmetics. So it's been great to be able to learn from her and experience that. Um, I also spent some time at a med spa. So that also helped me hone my, hone my skills there. Um, and and I, I find it gratifying. Um, you know, usually, for me, I will have um, developed a relationship with patients based on skin cancer checks or acne or treating them otherwise. And so we've already developed a, a trust and a, um, you know, a, a, a good relationship. Um, and then, you know, they're aging as I'm aging and they start to ask questions about, oh, do you also do Botox? Right. Do you also do lasers? And so then we can kind of transition into doing some of that stuff too. And, and I like that. Yeah, I, means that um, they trust me and mm -hmm. I can help them feel better about themselves. I can help them feel better about, you know, if they're looking, if they're going through a divorce or they're looking for a new relationship or they're looking for a new job and they want to feel confident in the, right. in the, in the market there, then just things that I can do to help boost their, their self-image is, is very gratifying. And That's then amazing. the last thing is, is acne. Um, I, acne is actually my number one favorite. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, I know, you know, what a huge impact it, it takes on um, how people see themselves. And it strikes at such a, you know, as teenagers, we are the most self-conscious of our lives. Like, we yeah. have so, there's so much peer pressure. So it's like a cruel irony that that's when acne happens. Um, so I love being able to treat, um, 
these kids and you know when I first start seeing them they won't even make eye contact with me and then as they're getting better they start to like they're so appreciative and they they smile when they see me and they they're they're so much more confident it's great and then lots of adult acne um particularly in women um so so yeah so those are my favorites okay and so what is the percentage of men versus women that are coming to see you and are men coming in for cosmetic procedures or acne skincare things like that yeah yeah interesting question um so i would say probably overall out of everything i do the breakdown is going to be probably like 30 percent men 70 percent women okay but it does depend for example in maine i actually probably see more men than than women because um more men um have been the farmers and they are suffering from all the skin cancers and so they have to come in more um and um and yeah and that population it's it's all medical and um and yeah i would say i see more men what about Um, new york city what about the great city yeah (laughs) so in cosmetics it is definitely more women uh, like 60 to 70 percent women but uh but even in the time that i've been practicing so about 12 years or so i have seen that shifting um yeah i think men are becoming more aware of what the options are and more accepting of it and they're 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 starting to try out these um these great procedures of it themselves um which and can you of, can you elaborate on those great procedures <laughs> for sure so um, botox is very popular with with men okay um, age range age range for us um i mean it certainly depends on the person but i would say you know 35 plus okay wow yeah um and you're right completely depends on the person but um the general guidelines i give people about when when is it right to start botox if um so botox works for the lines in the face that come from facial expression so we're not talking like the smile lines here but more the ones that come from expression so like the vertical line there from wrinkling your brow and the horizontal lines here and the crow's feet there are other areas where we use it also but those are three most common areas okay um and if you notice those lines when you make the expression but when you are when you're not making the expression and your face is at rest the lines aren't there you have time and you can wait if you're starting to see that the lines are sticking they're still there then it's time to to consider it so they don't get etched in uh okay and so (laughs) this is fascinating i have some more questions about that but (laughs) At the bare bones, what should someone be doing to take care of their skin? So the single most important anti-aging thing that you can do for your skin is sun protection. Hands down, that is going to make the biggest difference over time. Um, and that means on an everyday basis. There have been some great studies done that compare um, the, the aging of the skin of people who just use sun protection on days that they think they're going to be outside a lot or maybe they're going to the beach versus people who do it on an everyday basis and there's a huge difference in how their skin ages so it really is important on an everyday basis a lot of the sun we get it is um, accumulates from just the daily incidental exposure so you're not safe um you know even if you don't think it's a big sunday you still need to be to be wearing sun protection and so Uh, for so sorry to cut you off i'm sorry go ahead no 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 go ahead for for people who don't understand why is spf so important is it as important for a black person or a person of color or a white person like can you elaborate on all of that please 
Yeah, so um, actually, actually, I think a hard question. Um, because of, you know, how research has been done over time, we know a lot more about the effects of UV rays on lighter skin types. Um, we just don't have as much information, as much data about um, what, what they're doing. But, but remember that skin color is a continuum. So yes, the more pigment potential you have in your skin, the more protected you are from the sun, but it doesn't mean that you're not still affected. Um, I've certainly seen you know, sun-related skin cancers in, in all skin colors, mm -hmm. um, but yes, the more pigment potential you have, the more protection you have, but um, it still contributes to different aspects of skin aging. And for example, for a very fair person, that might first be showing up as fine lines. Um, for a darker skin person, it might be showing up as discoloration. And so, you know, these different aspects, um, so, so, so there's really, there's no skin type that's safe from the effects of the sun. So I think, yeah, I think it's important for everyone. Okay. Um, and, and, and then there's always the question of vitamin D. Right. And um, I, I think most of us, particularly in places like New York City, have, could, could have, um, could, could benefit from more vitamin D. Yeah. Um, but then, but we see, we, we tend to see this particularly in darker skinned people. Um, but everyone can, um, can take a vitamin D supplement and it, it kind of takes that out of the equation because how efficiently your skin is, is making vitamin D is quite variable. So a supplement is really a good answer for that. Okay. And that's, that, that, that leads me to my next question. You know, we're all on lockdown, you know, and people are not going outside because some people are afraid. And so you just answered the question. So people should be really kind of thinking about um, taking vitamin D supplements, right? Yes, that's right. And remember that UVA rays penetrate through glass windows. Correct. So, um, so you still should be thinking about sun protection, even though you're spending your time inside. Okay. There are a lot of magic bullets out there like vitamin A, vitamin C, hydronic acid. Can you tell us the real deal behind these ingredients? Like tell us the real. Yeah, yeah. So, all right, when I'm telling people, you know, what do I think are like the very most effective things that you can do for your skin? So number one, sun protection, no question. Um, in my opinion, the second most important um, anti-aging step you can do is a vitamin A derivative. So that's a retinoid, or over-the-counter retinol okay. um, or adapalene is also available over-the-counter. And um, so these are very powerful molecules that act as transcription factors in our skin. And so they can have huge effects. So they increase the turnover of the skin cells. So you're getting nice glowy skin cells on top. Okay. Um, and it, it prevents, um, that helps prevent the cells sticking together and clogging up pores, but also helps with acne. Your um, skin is glowing it, over there. <laughs> that might be the light, but thank you. <laughs> um, uh, it also helps with fine lines, um, wrinkles, because it's increasing collagen and elastin, and it helps decrease discolorations. Um, so it really, retinoids do everything good. Yes, they can also cause irritation. So sometimes people get scared of using them because they experienced um, redness and peeling when they first started trying it. One, they come in a ton of different strengths and formulations. So there's probably a formulation that will work for you. And two, your skin does get used to it over time. So okay. um, if, even if you get some irritation in the beginning, that, that'll likely go away. Um, so yeah, number one, sun protection. Number two, vitamin A derivative. If you want to add in a third, I do think an antioxidant um, topical is important. Mm -hmm. And the most common there is vitamin C. Okay. 
Okay. There are lots of other antioxidants, but that, that tends to be the one that we read about the most. So um, our skin is constantly getting bombarded by free radicals. A lot of that comes from sun exposure. Um, and can, you explain, can you explain the word free radicals and yeah. antioxidants for people who don't know and people who are listening? Yeah, for sure. So basically, these are unstable molecules that um, do damage to our skin because they're looking for electrons. And so that can lead to DNA damage or damage of other proteins as well. So um, it is, that's, you know, that's how, when we talk about things being um, bad for our skin, like sun or um, pollution, um, a, a lot of that effect is coming from the damage done by free radicals. And an antioxidant is something that neutralizes the free radical so that it's no longer dangerous. Okay. Um, so antioxidants include things like vitamin C. Okay. Vitamin E is also an antioxidant. And then there are tons of other things that are, that are also um, antioxidants. Um, right now, you know, natural beauty, natural skincare is, yeah. is, is so hot. And a lot of the, you know, jojoba oil, mm -hmm. argan oil, um, a lot of the botanicals um, are rich in antioxidants as well. Um, and so that's going to really help protect your skin from the effects of sun and pollution. So that's important during the day. So I recommend sun protection and antioxidants during the day and a retinoid at nighttime. And then, of course, that's in addition to just regular gentle cleansing, moisturizing, and exfoliation. Okay, this is wonderful. And, and thank you for sharing all of this, you know. And so another question, how important is diet when it comes to your skin? Are there certain foods that are proven to help? And a follow up with that, should we, you know, everyone right now is drinking constantly right now. They're in their homes, they're consuming tons of alcohol. How is the effect of alcohol on our skin? All right. So, um, yeah, diet, it's, 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 it's a great question and it comes up a lot. And, um, I think that, you know, overall, if you think about, you know, what diet is good for your skin, it's the same as what diet is good for your body. Mm -hmm. So we want, um, healthy fats to support the, the fats that we, um, have in the cell barrier so that we don't dry out. So that's important. Um, so you don't have dry skin. Um, we also need, uh, proteins, good lean proteins, so that we have the building blocks to, to make keratin, that's the main structural protein in, in the skin, as well as all the other proteins. Um, and then things like antioxidants, which we usually get mostly from fruits and vegetables, um, that's going to help, you know, protect our whole body from, from the damage from free radicals. And then other vitamins, you know, vitamin C is, is um, crucial for, for many for our body, um, how it makes collagen, for example. So you need all those vitamin cofactors and antioxidants, lean proteins, healthy fats. So that's, you know, that's overall kind of the, the big picture of, you know, what's good for your skin is good for the rest of your body as well. Um, but we do have some information about, um, you know, specific dermatologic conditions and what diets are helpful for those. So for example, with acne, we have learned that um, dairy products, at least for some people, can, can um, increase acne. And there's some, some studies have shown it's more the fat component of dairy. Other studies have shown it might actually be the non-fat component, the, the, the protein part. Um, but, but yes, um, dairy seems to, to be able to play a part with acne. And same with high glycemic foods. So that's foods, um, foods that are high in um, refined carbohydrates, so sugar, 
carbs, um, those things also can increase acne, probably because they affect our hormones and hormones affect acne. Okay. This is wonderful. I mean, this is a lot of knowledge that you're sharing. You're, you're dropping some <laughs> incredible gems. Love it. <laughs> Thank you, Troy. And so is there a difference in how men and women should be taking care of their skin? For the most part, I don't think so. You know, okay. we, um, our, our skin is structured in the same way. Now, with that said, of course, um, different concerns come up. Um, in general, for example, women are going to be more concerned about, um, let's say laser hair removal, um, for example, or even early signs of aging. Most women may be more concerned about than men, although I do think that's evolving. Yes, um, I agree. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the basic structure is the same and, and, and the active ingredients that are helpful are going to be the same. Um, women do tend to have a thinner skin and then especially that gets accentuated um, around menopause okay. and so they're going to be um, trying to fight those changes in a way that men are probably not going to have to deal with in the same way or most men won't have to their skin's not going to thin as much mm -hmm. um, but overall you know what's going to be good for female skin is generally going to be good for, for male skin as well um, there are some you know, like hormone specific things that we can use for women that we can't use for men. Okay. Um, and can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. So, um, for example, when we treat acne, um, to, this is a little bit simplified, but um, in general, a lot of the acne that women experience come from their male hormones. And we all have male hormones. It's normal. We're supposed to, but it's genetically determined how sensitive your oil glands and your hair follicles are to these male hormones. And so um, women who experience hormonal acne, it's really, it's those male hormones that are to blame. So um, so medications like, there's one named spironolactone that mm -hmm. decreases the male hormones is an amazing treatment for adult women who are dealing with, with acne and thinning of that, the hair as well. Um, it works very well, but you can't give that medication to men because you can't decrease their male hormones. It would, um, it would, they, they can start to grow some breast tissue, for example. It, it, we don't want any of those side effects. Mm -hmm. So it's just not an option. So, you know, so there are different approaches like that. Um, same with, you know, a common treatment for hair loss in men is Propecia and you can't use that in women. So, so there are some things that come up um, because of hormonal differences. And, and so as, as we continue for people who don't like medication, are there any natural remedies that you could use? Yeah, um, I think that we learn more and more about what what can be options. For example, like since we were talking about hormones, um, saw palmetto is is something that can be um, having some of those effects on 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 um, male hormones, and so that's been effective for prostate health. And some people think it can possibly be helpful for hair loss as well. So there are some alternative. Um, treatments um and you know and we do try to focus on like vitamin c for example yes yeah, sometimes the molecule is manufactured but um 
but it's still overall we're thinking about natural skin health. Um, and then also I think you know that that term natural can can be can be a little bit tricky because it yeah. doesn't really mean a whole lot. You know, there's not like regulation about how that term is used. Yeah. And it doesn't automatically translate to safe. You know, a natural ingredient um, doesn't necessarily mean that it's safe. Um, and whereas, you know, a, a synthetic chemical doesn't necessarily mean it's unsafe. And that term chemical is completely a generic term too. So the natural thing is really chemicals as well. So, so I think you have to be diligent about actually really doing your homework on these yeah. ingredients and figuring out the data. And sometimes there's not data. So yeah. that's frustrating too. But, um, but I don't think you can just, you know, look at a label that says natural and, and know that that's going to be necessarily better. Yeah. I, I love um, Beauty Counter and how they're focused on that clean and natural. And so I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And for those who don't know, yeah. beautycounter.com, not an ad, just I, I like what she's doing. Yeah, I think that's really increased awareness um, about, you know, what we're putting on our skin and how yeah. much absorption we get. And, and there, there's so many unanswered questions here. Um, but I think, I think it's really important. And I think we're learning more. Yeah. And so during this time, you know, it's a great time to reset all of our skin. I mean, everyone's skin, you know, and especially because our regular routine is disrupted. Is there any at-home treatments that you can level set your skin when you're at home? Yeah. So um, I think Did you that. Freeze? Oh, Hello? am I frozen? Yeah. Hello. Uh, Still. I guess. Oh wait, back. Yeah. Okay, you're back. <laughs> I, it's, it's, I, my Wi-Fi is not terrific here, so I apologize. In uh, sunny Florida, the Wi-Fi is not great. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so just to, just to jump back in, so I don't know if you heard my question, but I'm going to say it again. Yeah. Um, during this time, you know, it, it, this lockdown, it's great to reset our skin, uh, especially from our regular routine is being disrupted. Is there any at-home treatments that everyone should be thinking about to level set their skin? I think it's a great time to experiment, be more aggressive with skincare because we all have the time to do it right now and we also have more downtime. So I think it's a great time to add in or increase doses of active ingredients. Okay. So, um, you know, start the retinol or the prescription retinoid because um, even if you get a little bit of um, irritation for a couple of weeks, this is a social distancing gives us an opportunity to, to deal with that. Um, add in other active ingredients too. You know, try the at-home peels. Um, that the peel pads are quite popular these days. That have a mixture of acids on them that can just offer you know gentle exfoliation. I think that's a great thing to be adding in. Um, masks are fun and certainly popular right now, and mm -hmm. they, they accomplish different things. Some are more just hydrating moist and moisturizing. Um, others may be offering some exfoliation, um, but you know that's great. There are also a lot of these um, at-home tools like um, dermal rollers that can, um, with very um, shallow micro needles, it can help the absorption of active ingredients, so you can get a boost that way as well. Okay. Um, one other thing that's come up is it's a great time to try a natural deodorant because if you're a little stinkier than usual for a couple of weeks, this is pretty good timing for that. So that's <laughs> also a good time to experiment with that. And so you, you just 
touched on a, on, on a topic, you know, masks. So I just read something and watched the news this morning about masks are causing breakouts. Um, and they're very popular right now. You know, any recommendations on how to deal with that for people who are novice and just trying masks and they're getting breakouts? So um, one thing that's been in the news a lot is how wearing face coverings can, can affect acne. So, yeah. so, that, so that's a different kind of mask. Yeah. Um, that, so yeah, so, so right now the CDC is certainly recommending that, we're, that we all wear our face coverings when we're in public and especially if we can't socially distance. And, um, and so, you know, the occlusive nature of a face covering like that creates a warm and humid environment, which mm -hmm. can increase oil production. Um, so that can lead to breakouts as well as irritation um, and, and inflammation. Um, so that is, I think, definitely a hot topic right now. So um, my recommendation is to wash your face with a, a foaming cleanser um, before and after wearing a mask. And if you're particularly oily um, and acne prone, then, then look for a salicylic acid cleanser because that, um, that's a beta hydroxy acid that penetrates into the pores to exfoliate and also remove excess oil. So that'll help you prevent those kinds of breakouts. Um, and then use a gentle moisturizer to support the skin barrier so that that extra humidity isn't going to, to cause irritation and, um, and inflammation. And then also we see just um, skin irritations that come from the friction of wearing a mask. So like if it's tight behind your ears, for example, or over the nose, you can get some breakdown of the skin there and treat that afterwards with something like aquaphor ointment just to support that skin barrier as much as possible. Okay, thank you. Thank you for that. And so there are many articles out there for women that talk about how they should be caring for their skin in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and beyond. Can you walk us through how men should be taking care of their skin in these same age markers? Yeah. Um, so again, I, I don't, in my head, I don't really separate it out as, as so much between, you know, men and women or even between the ages. I think okay. that, yes, of course, we may have different concerns at different ages, but in general, the active ingredients that are proven to be effective are not going to change. And things that we do for prevention are often the same things we do for treatment. So, um, so you know, it goes back to my my, my number one, sun protection, number two, retinoid, number three, antioxidant, and then combine that with um, gentle cleansers, moisturizers, and exfoliation. Okay. And I, so I think that is true for men and women, and I think it's true for all ages. Okay. <laughs> I, I love that, Doc. I love that. And so my, another question, because I, I love this topic, you know, why do you think there's a stigma around men taking care of their skin the same way women do? Yeah, good question. I mean, culturally, I think that there's just um, these kind of useless stereotypes about, you know, men not being as interested in how they look, you know, and that, that, that translates into fashion as well as beauty. And I, I just don't, I don't think it's true. And I don't think it has to be true. So, um, so, so yeah, I, I think that, you know, when I, for example, um, so I guess where those stereotypes might come from, because there may be a grain of truth in it, is often when, um, let's say I'm treating two 19-year-olds for acne, 
and one's a, a, a male and one's a female. Um, to, to generalize, I would say it's going to be a lot easier to get the female <laughs> to do exactly what I tell her. Use this cream in the morning, wash with this, use this cream at night, she'll do it. With the guy, I've learned that it's, um, I'm usually going to meet more success if I use like one combo product and I'm like, use this once a day, done. It's usually going to be more effective. So, so, you know, yeah, there might be some truths as far as just how interested we are, how motivated we are to be applying things. I think men just, because there is less of a tradition of applying, you know, stuff to the skin that they, they sometimes don't like the feel of it. And so, um, de depending on the guy, I sometimes recommend more gel-based products, things that aren't as heavy, certainly things that aren't as perfumed. Um, that's generally going to be more appealing. Um, some, some, some of that's because of, you know, there's more, there's more hair. So you don't want to apply like a thick cream over hairy areas. Something like a gel base is going to be a little nicer. Mm -hmm. um, but but it, it's completely individual too. And I certainly have plenty of male patients who are extremely interested and motivated to, 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 to practice just to skincare. Yeah, we want to look good and feel good as well. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, how do you think the beauty and skincare industry would change post COVID-19? Very interesting question. Mm -hmm. um, I think that we are going to have to take so many more precautions about, um, you know, in-person interactions. So the more that we can do virtually, remotely, the better. So um, teledermatology is certainly flourishing right now in a way that it never has before. And, and it's challenging. You know, you really can't see as well. But there, there are um, some things that we can accomplish in a teledermatology way. So that, that I think it's going to continue to be way more popular than it ever has before. And then I think when an in-person interaction is necessary, we're just going to take a lot of precautions. So um, I was reading a document that our office has put together for, you know, things that we're going to institute with reopening. And yeah, we're, we're going to um, single book. So there's never more than one person in the waiting room. Um, and we're going to ensure that by how we schedule and also people are supposed to call in before they arrive so that we can make sure they can come in. Mm -hmm. We're going to take their temperature right away. They're going to have done all paperwork online so that no one has to touch any paper, pen, iPad. Um, and of course, gloves and masks and hand sanitizers. We're not going to be using certain laser procedures right now um, just because it increases risk of, of contracting too much. We're going to take good histories about travel and symptoms before they're allowed to make an appointment. Um, so I mean, this is going to affect day to day a lot. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's going to translate into manicure, pedicure appointments, facial appointments, any sort of med spa. Um, because, you know, so many of these procedures, like your face is near their face. Like mm -hmm. this is going to be really high risk. Yeah. So, um, so I think we have to be very thoughtful in, in how we move forward. And I think that at least for a while, all of this stuff is going to be um, less popular because it's not essential and it's risky. No, I, I agree. And so how does the lockdown affect your practice and business? And have you been able to find other ways to help your clients? Yeah, um, so I definitely have not been able to see patients in person. So that's 
that's my main job. (laughs) So I've definitely not been working as much. Um, but I have offered, um, teledermatology appointments. So, um, I've definitely been able to do that. And it makes, you know, it makes a lot of sense for, um, example, patients I, I already know, and I already have a relationship that they, they need to check in because they have questions or they, um, need to tell me that, oh, this prescription isn't working so well anymore. Let's try something different. Those are, are, are things that I can take care of very easily with teledermatology. Other things like a skin cancer check, not so much. So um, I am eager to, to get back to some in-person appointments for, for things like that. And then, of course, cosmetic procedures you can't do yeah. over teledermatology. Yeah, um, <laughs> but it has, it has given me time to focus on... Um, you know my my Instagram account, so uh, trying to to bring information to. Hey, tell tell the world tell the world your Instagram account. Tell the world yes. <laughs> At Dr. Hadley King, please follow. Uh, I've I've been trying to offer a lot of relevant tips about some of the stuff we've covered today as well. You know you know how to care for your skin in the context of wearing a mask. Um, what are things you can do for your skin while you're while you're at home? What can you do to you know, make your Botox last longer since you can't get it in, in the office right now? Um, what to do about the dry skin that we're on our hands that we're all experiencing from washing and hand sanitizing? Um, things like this, things that are that are relevant. So um, I, I, I try to give my audience lots of information there and also it gives me time to do more podcasts and, um, and, and so, you know, trying to make the most of my time. Yeah. Well, that leads me to my, my next question, you know, what you're doing as the world's on pause and you've kind of answered that. So I, I, I dig it. I dig it. And so on a personal side, how are you managing living day to day during this very unusual time in our lives? So uh, I was in New York City when it started, and I stayed there in my apartment for three and a half weeks. And, um, you know, life stays so busy, um, especially in New York and with with juggling so many different jobs that, you know, despite, obviously, the the terrible things that were happening outside, um, I was grateful for, for the time to just kind of slow down and um, tackle projects that I had not had time to tackle as far as doing some Marie Kondo cleaning outs <laughs> and organizing paperwork. Um, so I was grateful for that. And I tried to, to keep a routine as much as I could, um, waking up at a normal hour and doing um, some version of a workout at home mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, checking in on, on news and then focusing on my, my the writing that I do for, for different um, um, beauty magazines and, and online um, outlets. Um, and and then in the evenings, I would um, try to always schedule a Zoom call with friends, um, talk to my mom, just to check in with everyone. So yeah. trying to still stay social to some extent, yeah, stay yeah. healthy, stay busy. Yeah. Can, you, can you share a little bit of um, the, the names of the articles that you mean, the, 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 the magazines that you write for? So maybe some of the audience could read some of your stuff besides look at your social media? Yeah, so I post a lot of them in my Instagram account. Okay. Um, but, lot, you know, just lots of different outlets. Um, I'm very grateful, I will say, to Tiona Ostrov PR. She connects me with a lot of these beauty editors. So shout out to her. Um, and um, so everything from CNN to Women's Health to Elle, um, to Co- um, Cosmo, uh, 17 Magazine, the list is, is pretty long. Okay, I, I love that. I mean, 
I mean, you are a pretty smart woman, so I dig it. <laughs> Thank you. And so for the argument that a lot of men make for why they don't care for their skin, that they don't care how they look, what are some of the reasons why skin health is important that is not about looks? Yeah, so um, certainly, you know, sun, sun exposure is a big one that, yes, of course, um, sun is going to cause premature wrinkles, fine lines, saggy skin, discolorations, but it also gives us skin cancer. So you've got the, the cosmetic reasons to care and you've got the medical reasons to care. Um, and then like some things like moisturizing, um, as we learn more and more, um, use of moisturizing, um, it's actually been recently shown to um, potentially decrease risk of Alzheimer's disease and possibly Parkinson's which is fascinating and we need to learn more there. But the, but the idea that skin health does contribute to other aspects of our, of our health, I think is, is well established and very interesting. Wow, I, I didn't know that. I mean, I love the moisturizer, but that, this is good information. I might have to just <laughs> digging on that. This is really great. <laughs> yeah, that's why you have such beautiful skin, Roy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And so is your schedule already booked up for those who are looking to be super refreshed when this is over? Oh, so, you know, it's been so challenging because we really don't know when we're reopening yet. So um, I have, a, I have a, a list of um, people who have reached out and asked to, to, to have first priority when things yeah. reopen. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I'll definitely be busy, but there's always room for, for new people as well. Oh, that's incredible. So for all the women that are listening right now, what advice would you give to someone who wants to start their own business or practice? Um, I mean, I think, I think go for it. Uh, I, it, it took me like 12 years before I finally did it. And I'm so happy that I have. And I think the biggest lesson for me has been that you can really make it work for you. I think for the longest time, that idea of starting my own practice was so intimidating to me because I thought that I had to do it the way that I saw these other practices do it and that it would take over my life and I wouldn't have any free time left. Um, and I have really been able to figure out how to do it on my terms. You know, it's, it's a very small practice, um, but that's great. You know, it works for me. It means that I get to do my own scheduling and that means I get to spend as much time with patients as I want to because I think that's one of my strengths is I'm I like to explain and I like to listen. Um, I'm not so good at the, you know, the practices where there's just constant turnover and, and there's not a lot of um, time with the doctor. That really does not speak to my strengths. So, um, so yeah, you can really do it on your terms. So don't be intimidated by how you see other people do it if that's not going to work for you. Um, so yeah, be confident and believe in yourself and do it and do it in a way that, that makes sense for, for what you want. Oh, that's beautiful. That's, that's beautiful. I love it. I love that. That's really great. And so as we prepare the end, you know, I just want to say again, thank you very much for, you know, taking the time to be on group think. Uh, this is episode number seven. So this is really, really good. And as we prepare to end, you know, I want to thank all the listeners and everyone who's here today. Um, and what would you tell your 18 year old self? Oh, gosh. Um, I think very much along the, the lines of, of 
of what I was just saying is with confidence, you know, believe in yourself and know that even if how I see myself isn't exactly like the, the image of perfection that I was, that I was hoping for, like believe in myself, we're all different in our unique, beautiful ways. And um, yeah, be confident that, that, that your gifts are, um, are valuable. Thank you so much, Hadley. You stay safe and, you know, we will have to have a, a drink once this is all settled. Sounds okay? good. Thank you, Troy. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Thanks. Bye.